big lesson was that if the surgeon indicated at the time of the debriefing that the care process went well, that standard of care was met, then team members relive the resuscitation less, which is helpful to mental health. Welcome to Trauma Talk. Today, my guest is Dr. Gina Berg, Director of Trauma Research for Wesley Trauma Services, and Deanna Parsons, Trauma PA. We will be discussing their published study over debriefs in the trauma bay. Dr. Berg, Deanna, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Deanna Parsons. I'm a PA, and I have worked with the Wesley Trauma Team since 2003. So I'm Gina Berg. I am the Director of Trauma Research here at Wesley's Trauma Services. I have a PhD in Human Factor Psychology. I've been supporting trauma research here at Wesley for 16 years. I'm also faculty at the University of Kansas School of Medicine. I just made full professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine. Well, thank you both for being on the show and taking time to discuss this with us. So let's get into it. What was the purpose of the debriefing? Our goal when we look at research is always to improve patient care. In this situation, we looked at taking a debriefing initiative to improve both teamwork and operational processes. How did the process for program improvement look before the debrief study? Prior to the debriefing, what would happen is after a trauma activation, the team would then get dispersed back to their to their departments. There would at times be questions whether that was a scenario that happened pre-hospital, whether it was an equipment failure, personnel with communication. And each individual department was responsible then to relay that incident to their manager. And then their manager would funnel it on up through the system. It would eventually land into our process improvement department. At that time, it could be addressed or more likely sent up to another committee that may be met once a month. And then that information would get sent back out to the department heads and then filter back to the bedside staff. Bedside staff would then get their information, but a lot of times it would be embedded in with other information. And so they never felt like they got their question answered. And sometimes what would even happen is that you would get information from a subcommittee And then someone would be saying, what about X, Y, Z? And then you realize that the true question they had never even got answered or addressed at all. And this created a lot of frustration with the bedside staff. So we looked at, is there a way that we could have real-time bedside feedback about potential issues for process improvement? And instead of waiting to go through various committees, could this at some level be addressed there. And also that information that's gathered by the bedside team be sent on directly to our PIPs committee and addressed at that level sooner than going through the other channels. We chose debriefings because debriefings are a team communication tool and they're taught in the team steps curriculum that is open to everyone to find if you just Google team steps. And it's recommended by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. There are different kinds of debriefings, but we focused on after action reviews that are on operational lessons that can be learned by the team members. The AHRQ describes debriefings as brief and formal information exchanges and feedback sessions that occur after an event or a shift. There are strategies to capture near misses that are not always detected by record reviews. Debriefings also provide team members with the opportunity to immediately reflect on performance, identify errors, and discuss areas for improvement, just like Deanna said, thereby improving interpersonal
interdisciplinary education and teamwork. However, for team members to relate, they have to feel psychologically safe to ask questions. Besides increasing the communication on the operation side, does the debrief address anything else? Sometimes in trauma, there are incidences that leave people wondering if the right thing was done, if they performed in the right manner. There could have been questions that they had about their own performance or even equipment that was used. Dr. Berg, would you go over the script you use for the debriefing? And for our audience, you can find a copy of the script on our podcast page, wesleytraumatalk.podbean.com. The link is located at the top of the page labeled Wesley Trauma Debrief Script. Sure. So we did have a standardized script that was used for every debriefing incident. The start time and stop time was recorded. Whoever led it, they were recorded and did an introduction. And then there was a disclaimer given that said, if there are issues that you don't feel comfortable discussing in this setting, anonymous input can be submitted in a sealed envelope to HR for resolution or the director of trauma research. The script started with what things went well. Did we have the complete team at the resuscitation? Were there EMS-related issues, such as communication or performance? Were there problems, such as establishing the airway, obtaining vital signs, inserting the IV? The next section was about diagnostics. Were there problems, obtaining appropriate images, obtaining lab results? The next question was about definitive care. Were there problems getting the patient to definitive care, such as the OR, ICU, angiography, or floor? The next question was about communication. Was Were there any communication problems? The next question was about environment. Were there equipment issues? Were all the appropriate supplies available? The next question was about patient safety. Were there any issues that jeopardized the patient's safety? The next question was about improvement. What processes could we improve? The next question was about ethics. Were there any issues regarding ethics. The next question was about patient support. Was the family or patient support appropriately communicated with for information or decision making? The next questions were about learning. This was for the team. Was this a new or uncomfortable experience for anyone? Are there any processes that need clarification? Are there any questions regarding the decision making or treatment? And then we had various teams report out if they felt necessary such as anesthesiology, the blood bank, the chaplain, the mid-level providers, nursing, uh, the OBGYNs, orthopedics, pharmacy, radiology, or the surgeons. And then the final question was, what should be elevated to the trauma committees for improvement? And the script's very important because it's your guide and it makes each debriefing standardized. And no matter who leads it, which was part of the whole study, that it doesn't matter who leads it, it's still the same results. Could any organization, hospital, or EMS service adapt the script to their needs? Yes. So this script could be used, but it can be modified. This was the script that was appropriate for inside our trauma resuscitations, but it's not a hard and fast script. Any, any team could modify it to what's important to them. When did your debriefs take place? So the trauma team was repaged after the patient was discharged from the trauma bay, and they were led by all members of the trauma team in kind of a round-robin methodology. So sometimes it might have been a physician assistant leading the 
debriefing. Sometimes it might have been a nurse or a surgeon. And if the ancillary members wanted to lead it, they could do it as well. We didn't really require them. Notes from the debriefing were recorded. We did this for three months after the initial implementation, and they were held post-resuscitation, but after the patient was discharged from the trauma bay. The trauma team members had to be repaged back to the trauma bay to participate in the debriefing. The assigned debriefing leader followed the designated script that I just read to you and recorded the name and then noted any issues during the debriefing. What went well with the debriefs? We noticed that we had an increase in communication between the team members. Also, that there was an opportunity for education at that very moment of the event. We incidentally noted that the debriefing perceived to be very beneficial when our leader, who we would designate as the trauma surgeon, was committed to the group learning. Self-introductions that were done during the debriefing also helped to expand the team members' personal knowledge of each other. And even though as myself as a physician assistant, I understand my role in the trauma bay, but respiratory therapy, then I could understand their role better and vice versa. And so it, it was a big team building experience to have that time together to talk about that event. And then one of the things that was kind of interesting, and and we'll just call it a hallway conversation. When we were in the middle of doing the study, it was so expected to have this debriefing that people, if for some reason they were dismissed during the trauma, and then the actual debriefing happened later in the day, and they were busy and couldn't go to that debriefing, they would actually seek us out and ask us specific questions. And so there was this open communication well beyond the limitations of just being in the trauma bay and would ask specific questions regarding, did the trauma surgeon ask this? The big thing is that our team captain being the trauma surgeon and their direct involvement with each member of that team was beneficial to that individual as they worked through what they had just experienced. So you found an unexpected bonus of a mental health benefit for all the healthcare workers associated with the incident? Exactly. That wasn't the purpose of these debriefings. They were definitely meant to be operational debriefings. That's how they were designed. And the acceptability study was for that purpose. We really didn't anticipate that there would be a mental health benefit. That's very anecdotal because we didn't measure that in our research study. But we had a lot of comments about people saying that, especially if the surgeon leader was committed to group learning, then oftentimes if it was a not good outcome, they relived their role in the resuscitation less. They could let it go, especially if the surgeon said, we did everything we could do, we provided standard of care, then they could walk away and not relive their role at the bedside so much. Was there anything that consistently didn't go well with the debriefs? With the trauma activation, it's very convoluted in where that patient might need to go. So you have your initial resuscitation in the trauma bay, but that patient may need to go to interventional radiology. They may need to go to the operating room. And so the surgeon, mid-level, and bedside nurse will accompany them. With our activation of, of a large trauma team, the trauma surgeon will dismiss certain team members as they aren't needed in that particular role. So there's a delay in the time that the entire team meets 
until the debriefing would happen. And that, that could vary. It could be if it could be several hours, it could change the shift. And so it would sometimes be hard to get all the team members back. We knew that was going to be one of the difficulties. And the other would be that when we did allow them to go because they were released from that trauma, they would then return to their job responsibilities and may not be able to return for that reason. What things have to be in place to make a debrief successful? There was some initial resistance to the idea from individual team members. And as Gina said earlier, they have to feel safe about talking about this event, especially when you're talking about different departments, different subspecialties coming together. Not knowing what that would look like gave people a little bit of anxiety about coming back together and what they would experience. And it's very important that to have a good debriefing that you allow the participant to be able to reflect on their performance and give and receive feedback in a safe environment. When reading the study, it was noted that there was an increase of mutual respect, which would lead to better teamwork. I think we did. I think we did break down some walls. What obstacles did you have to overcome when performing the debriefs? From an organizational perspective, so anytime you make a change or incorporate a new initiative into a program, trauma or otherwise, that requires energy for mobilization and overcoming organizational inertia. So when you institute a, a change, such as regathering the entire trauma team for a, re, a debriefing, you have to really evaluate the opportunity costs and the logistic development of that, which is what Deanna was talking about. So when team members, they've been dismissed from the trauma bay and they've return to their other duties, and they're engaged in those, what are the opportunity costs of them leaving that to come back to the debriefing? So there has to be kind of a return on investment for that. And not always did people value that the education that they were getting from the debriefing. Certainly, I would say, Deanna, on more intense trauma activations, probably. Yes. And dealing with multi-system injured patients, you're going to have outcomes that are not what you want. Those instances, when you have that shared experience by those team members, those would be probably the most beneficial to be able to debrief what happened and, and those moments. And a lot of times those are patients that the resuscitation doesn't last as long too. It, it can be very intense for a short amount of time and the team members never get dismissed. And those were probably where I saw a lot of benefit from the psychological ability of being able to have that shared experience and have your team leader tell you that we did everything that we could. Requiring people to change their workflow process is often difficult. Again, from an organizational perspective, there's always resistance to change. So really getting people to have to value that and come and create authentic input. And then back to operations, because this really was an after event operations debriefing, not intended to be a psychological debriefing. That was just an unintended, great unintended benefit. But, you know, determining whether or not everything was there and done right in the bay. 
I think one thing about this that, that you can't put into a paper because we didn't study it, it's that multidisciplinary group. It's the fact that you have all these different point of views. And when you can sit down and do that together, that's where you get all your questions answered. Traditionally, what happens is that all the medics go out, be after work and have a talk or they call their friend and all the PAs go and talk. And, and so you get into these little, your trusted circles and you have this conversation. But it's really important when you can do that from, from a multidisciplinary approach. Deanna, could you speak to any examples where the debrief was beneficial to the overall teamwork? We were doing a debriefing and we had seen an x-ray pop up on, you know, and just looking at it real quick on the machine. And we were both like, oh, you know, like gasped or something. And the x-ray technologist thought that we were upset with the way the x-ray. Instead, we were upset with what we saw on the x-ray and that was motivating us to the next step. And she thought we were upset with her and that that's just not understanding what our role is and what we're doing right there and what that be a little bit of communication. And we were like, because the question was, was my x-ray wrong? And we were like, oh, no, no, you that's had nothing to do with this. But yeah. would she have gone home and thought about that later? Relationship growth. Totally. Yeah. Shared experiences makes relationships grow. Yes. But our, our main point was that we were trying to figure out what people had frustration with, which was, I have this, this thing that made me uncomfortable, that made me feel like things didn't go right. And I want that to be reported to see if it can be changed to improve patient outcomes. That was the driving force behind doing this. Yeah. What the team building experience was just a byproduct of spending a little bit of time together. When you sign up to do this type of work, whether yeah. it's pre-hospital, EMS, fire, rescue, a trauma team, or the ER, you are going into that with a teamwork mentality. You're not going to work by yourself. When you are looking at something from being a member of a team, then at the end of that, you do want to know that there was some benefit to you being there. And what can I do to be different next time? So you evaluated the debriefings and published the findings in the Journal of Trauma Nursing. What were those findings? So the research study we did regarding the debriefings were actually evaluated the acceptability attitudes of the debriefings, which were largely positive. We did not really anticipate the stress and mental health benefits, so we didn't measure that. But we used the AHRQ validated instruments for the surveys pre and post regarding the role on the trauma team. And 64 trauma team members completed both pre and post surveys. So loosely, the results were regarding the role on the team, respondents were more agreeable post-survey, post-debriefing process in understanding what their role was and the perspectives of other team members' respect and feeling like they were supported and that there was effective agreement. For personal psychological safety, there was an improvement in safety to give opinion during the debriefing, getting feedback, reporting problems to the group, and talking to their immediate supervisor. Regarding patient safety, we saw improvements in unit teamwork, perceived workload, and hours related to patient safety from a group perspective, 
as well as patient safety improvement. So these were perspectives of the survey respondents. Regarding team communication, after the structured debriefings, the respondents showed improvements in communication concerning patient care, errors in the unit, prevention of errors, and then feedback. Regarding just did they accept the structured debriefings, survey respondents agreed that structured debriefings provided an opportunity for the team to identify and resolve problems and ambiguities. There was It was in a no-blame and non-judgmental atmosphere, and they agreed that communication can impact patient safety. They also agreed that the structured debriefings were worthwhile. About three-fourths of the respondents thought they were worthwhile and strengthened the trauma team and should be continued. Now, when measuring the value, the respondents' value to the team, it did not lead to an improvement in team members reporting greater value, but that potentially is an artifact of personal interactions with their management and how they viewed the question. But also, pre-survey respondents had high value to the team prior to the debriefing. So this was a well-established trauma team, had worked together already for a long time, already had some level of psychological safety and team membership value. Were there any other lessons learned? A big lesson was that if the surgeon indicated at the time of the debriefing that the care process went well, that standard of care was met, then team members relived the resuscitation less, which is helpful to mental health. From an organizational perspective, Deanna talked about this early on, is that the trauma team isn't always debriefed, especially when there's bad outcomes in the trauma bay. And that communication may take time, weeks or months actually, for the resolution of that outcome to come back down to the bedside team members. So an unplanned benefit was that we really started looking at the communication process within the trauma program as a whole, and that we noted that there was no formal communication link from the bedside at resuscitation to operations or trauma performance improvement. The notes were taken from the debriefing and submitted to the performance improvement team. And again, we've mentioned prior about some mental health aspects, especially when the surgeon was able to say in a bad trauma resuscitation or bad patient outcome, when the surgeon was able to say we met standard of care, then if you've done any research in mental health, one of the symptoms of burnout is constant reliving of the patient care episode. And so this actually kind of relieved that for some of the trauma team members. Any closing thoughts? So I think going forward, any facility, trauma or otherwise, can adopt an operational debriefing and really even multidisciplinary working with pre-hospital and really learning how to make their operational processes better. I would just encourage those who are leading them to understand that there are also potential mental health benefits that we just did not measure in our research project, but we had significant anecdotal comments about. It's really about the safety. So putting a mental health label on this debriefing is a little misleading, can be intimidating to clinical providers who are not trained in mental health support services, but it is kind of an unintended benefit just coming together and discussing what did we do well, what can we do better, Everybody is learning. We're all growing together as a team. 
Well, Dr. Berg, Deanna, thank you for being on the show. For our listeners, remember you can find a copy of the debrief script at our webpage for the podcast, which is wesleytraumatalk.podbean.com. And a link at the top of the page will take you to the Wesley Trauma Debrief script. And if you have any requests for a topic or questions for our guest, you can always email me at aaron.shutton at wesleymc.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.